Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Scoopy Radio in your area code, on your aux cord, in the shopping mall, hey, even at Bonefish Grill, where you're getting that bang-bang shrimp or that bang-bang chicken, I am Brandon Scoop B. Robinson. Follow me on Twitter at Scoop B, Instagram Scoop underscore B, and make sure you guys check out the Wooter Apparel uh, line. Use the promo code Snoop, S-N-O-O-P, and save 20% on your first purchase over at Wooter Apparel on the line right now. Is, uh, you heard her, Clarissa Shields. She won medals. She got belts. She got everything in between. She's on the line while she's having her lunch. Clarissa, welcome to Scoop Me Radio. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. So you're sitting in Bonefish right now, loving life. Yes. Life is good mm-hmm. with you right now. Um, you have done it all. You've won Olympic gold medals. Um, you're scaring everybody in your division. What's 2018 has been good to you? Tell me about your last fight. How did you yes. feel after it? Um, well, my last fight, I um, I felt like I overtrained getting ready for that fight. And uh, it was just because so much was on the line. You know, like this was against a girl that was undefeated. Um, she was a lot older. She had a a, a, a larger track record than, than I had ever faced before. And, you know, and uh, it was just one of those big stages where, again, I was on TV. Uh, I'm the main event. And it's just so much on me. But I was just making sure up and you know, training, uh, constantly telling myself to stay focused and, you know, um, stay positive when it was a lot of stuff that was making me mad before the fight. And then at that, you know, to keep myself focused, I'm like, well, just focus on training, training, and then I end up overtraining. So <laughs> that was a big mistake on my part. But uh, I enjoyed the fight. You know, I won every round. I almost got a knockdown. Uh, my next fight was supposed to be in April, but I guess now – uh, you know, a lot of girls have uh, been put on notice, and they know that I'm the top dog. So, uh, just with that, I've just been in Florida, living my, uh, trying to live my best life. <laughs> I, um, I'm actually at Bonefish Grill right now, sitting outside by my lonesome, uh, about to eat me some bang bang chicken. And um, I've just been here getting my getting my personal life in order because boxing has always been one of the easiest things in my life, and I feel like with with my personal life is like things. I've always been kind of rocky, so now I'm officially living and training in Florida. Um, officially have health insurance. Uh, officially Amen. going to get my wisdom teeth uh, pulled out. You know, stuff like that um, that I didn't ever have in order. You know, and now I'm getting more more business savvy with uh, with you know with so much time in between fights. I do need a second job, and my job is not ever going to be working for someone, I guess, but more mm-hmm. working for the people. So I'm actually getting into um, fitness training to where I can help people get fit, stay fit, teach them how to eat, how a Olympic gold medalist eat, and uh, stuff like that. So that's kind of what I'm on right now. So, I mean, it it all feels good, but it would be great, you know, uh, a lot greater if I was fighting at the same time. 
Scoop. Scoopy Radio on the line with Clarissa Shields. And just to, to take a step back, you won uh, and retained your WBC and IBF uh, female super middleweight uh, title against uh, Tori Nelson, uh, defeating her 17-0. It was actually your first time going all 10 rounds uh, in your professional career. Were you winded after that fight? No. No, I was fine. Um, I actually felt like... um. I had two or three more rounds in me, to be honest. It was like, I, I kind of just cruised through it, and I was like, you know what? She can't hit me, but I want her to hit me. I can hit her whenever I feel like it. It was more just like, just do what you do, and hopefully the knockout will come. And I went to the body a lot, but it got to the point to where, you know, she more of had a lot of pride, and she just wanted to last the 10 rounds. So she actually stopped fighting me and actually was just surviving. And once it got to that point, those are the worst fighters to fight. Worst one. You have an amateur record of uh, 78 uh, wins, uh, 19 by knockouts, uh, and one loss. Uh, professional boxing career, uh, your five wins and, and zero losses. I often have this conversation with women basketball players. Um, I, as you know, I love basketball. You love basketball, too. I think that there's often this, almost like this class system between WNBA and NBA. In boxing, do you find that there's a similar kind of class system where certain people won't watch boxing because it's not men? You know, I, I I won't say that. I'll say they won't watch women's boxing compared to the men because there isn't a lot of opportunity to watch. If that okay. makes sense, I'm the first I'm the first woman to fight on premium cable on Showtime. Now, right. I I think I'm a hell of a fighter. But then when you go back to the women that came before me, Layla Ali, Ann Wolf, Lucia Riker, um, Christy Martin, uh, Mia St. John, Tori Nelson, these women have never fought on Showtime, never fought on HBO, never fought on premium cable. And when you think about that, it's like you never really had the opportunity to, you know, yeah, you can compare men and women's boxing, but then also too. You have to look at the opportunity given. I think that the WNBA is in a way better position than the women boxers are because they have that platform. You know, they uh, they have people that watch them where they can be on TV. I don't think that they're on TV as much as the men, but they are on TV and they do have a large following. Women's boxing is still like being built up. You sure. know, right now I'm the one actually carrying the sport, actually being in the head, like actually getting paid some decent money when women boxers have never even got treated in this kind of fashion. Scoopy Radio on the line with T-Rex, Clarissa Shields, and you, you do have some bragging rights uh, in May of 2012. Uh, you um, became the first African, the first American woman, excuse me, um, mm -hmm. to win an, an Olympic gold medal in boxing. You're a trendsetter. Um, you, you, you're and you're making it happen. I'm not getting into an argument over you for five dollars. I mean, how does it feel to kind of have that that bragging right being the first uh, American woman to win an Olympic gold medal in boxing? I definitely earned it, but it also adds to my pedigree of how great I am. You know, it stands behind me saying I'm the greatest woman fighter of all time. And when I say that, you know, people are like, "Oh, how did she say that when Layla Lee was 24 and 0, when Ann Wolf was 23 and 1, and all this stuff?" And I'm like. Not only do I have one Olympic gold medal, I have two Olympic gold medals, and there's no other American that has ever done that. You've mentioned Layla Ali uh, in this interview, and uh, <clears throat> Layla Ali, you know, I would imagine like Michael Jordan for me, you know, making me love basketball. How, how influential was Layla Ali for you growing up? I mean, did you watch her every move? You know what? It was her father, Muhammad Ali, who I really watched. I never really had any female role models growing up that were in Boston. I mean, I looked up to Serena Williams a lot. But Layla Ali, um, I feel like what she did give me was the was the was the better outlook on to know that boxing isn't just about boxing. You know, she made that clear. You know, she's not even like very supportive of the women professionals, but she's supportive of, you know, using other platforms to help build other careers. Like, she's like, you can use boxing, but also don't just put all your eggs in that basket. She's like, she told me I will make more money staying amateur and going back to the Olympics again, which I disagree with, but she also told me to have a good team behind me, uh, marketing, 
uh, and stand there for something, you know, and that's what she really did preach pre- into me, and that's what I did appreciate from her. I didn't really get anything from her on a boxing aspect, but, you know, she is a very, uh, she's a very sassy person, though, you know, like, uh, I think her boxing and who her father is kind of has a lot to do with how she carries sure. herself, and she's like a... I don't know, it was, when I met her when I was 17, she was like a mother, you know, she was like, hey, uh, what are you doing now? After I won my first one, she was like, what are you doing now? Are you going to college? I was still in high school, I was in the 12th grade. <laughs> she was mm-hmm. like, are you going to college? I'm like, uh, no, not really. And she's like, well, you need to go to college. You need to graduate high school, you need to go to college. What are you doing? I, like, you know, she was like that. Um, but when I met her when I was 21, after winning my first Olympic gold medal, um, and also, getting ready for my second and being the being one of the top women athletes that was in the line like getting ready for twenty sixteen, um, she was just like, I'm proud of you. You know, she was like, You're doing really good. Um I like what you're doing but she was but, you know, her her uh opinion remained, do not turn professional. You know, she was like, just stay amateur, go kill them as many times as you can, get those endorsements, get those sponsorships. You know, make a name. You use boxing now. Let now use boxing to make a bigger name for yourself. But I always felt that my goal has always been to go down in history as the best woman fighter ever. And even though the Olympics is big and it's great, it's still like professional boxing is how you become that. That's how she became the you know known as the best woman fighter. You know, by being professional and being undefeated. Sure. I'm curious. Um, recently. Uh, I flew out to Ohio and I literally spoke to a school for 90 minutes. Uh, I was able to pick up a check, put that in the bag, save, you know, do what I need to do. And you get the luxury of ordering whatever the heck you want at the hotel. Like I saw a $36 steak. I was like, ugh, I almost went by it, but I felt guilty. Going to the Olympics, the Olympic Village, all the athletes, they congregate. It's like a dormitory. What is the Olympic Village like? Who did you meet? What did you learn? How cool was that process? You know what? I'm trying to think about which Olympics should I tell you about because 2012, I literally, Carmelo Anthony knows my whole name. So just Kevin Durant. Um, I met uh, Westbrook. Uh, who else? Carmelita Jetter. Uh, you know, she was part of, the, part of the team on a four-by-one track team. She was the anchor mm-hmm. when they broke the record in 2012. Um, I, I'm also really cool with Allison Felix. Uh, I ate breakfast with Michael Phelps a few times. Actually, wow. because we lived at the Olympic Training Center together. So I seen him every morning. And even though he did not like when people would talk to him, I always told him good morning. And he always said it back because he just knew, I guess. But I never actually sat with him, but I always told him in the morning. I always said, good morning, Michael. And he would always say, good morning. So he knows who I am, too. But... I'm trying to think of who did I meet at the – and also, I made – wait a minute. I made eye contact with LeBron James. What? You know, what? Come on now. Yes, 2012, LeBron, we were walking down down for the opening ceremony. We were all wearing matching uniforms, and it was this kid who I gave an autograph, and this kid was like, can you get LeBron for me? So I went and tapped LeBron. I tapped him. I said, LeBron, he wants an autograph. I, I promise you, LeBron only signed one autograph that night during the open ceremony, and that was a little boy um, right there up in the right corner. When it was a lot of people. He signed that one autograph and went right back to the middle and kept walking. But it was like one of those moments where I feel like he didn't want to let me down because he could have been like, what? No. Everybody was yelling LeBron name. Everybody. And this one kid got an autograph from me and LeBron. I'll never forget that. And that was 2012. Okay, you got you got one more. You got a couple more. Tell me some more. I'm, you you got my undivided attention. Okay, then I, okay. Let me get this foot in my mouth. <laughs> so then, 2016, I'm like the big dog on the block because I've already won the Olympics. So everybody trying to do what I did already. Mm-hmm. But um, me and Simone Biles is like we write it on Snapchat, Instagram. That's my home girl. Also, Gabby Douglas. We were at the Nickelodeon Awards together. I was like a big sister to her. She was just like, oh, my God, I'm so happy you came. Like, she's like laid back, 
sassy, you know, Debbie Douglas is like, you know, she's a real cool laid back laid back girl. Um, who else? Let me think about twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen was something else. I got lost in a taxi at the Olympics. What? Yes. I got lost in a taxi. What happened? I was trying to go and get my hair done. <laughs> right? And this place said hair. First off, over in Brazil, they don't even know what weave is because everybody has naturally <laughs> long hair. So I found a place that said hair extensions. And I'm like, I'm just looking for some weave. So I find somebody at the Olympic Olymp Training Center to braid my hair straight to the back. Boom, because I was tired of doing it. I, like, if you go back and look at my Olympic pictures, I got a different hairstyle every other day. I wore it straight. I wore it um, blow dry. I wore it in a ponytail with a fake ponytail. I had all different kind of hairstyles. I had braids. It was like all over the place. So um, we get in this taxi. You know, in Brazil they talk Spanish, not English. So uh, we're over there. It's me and Gary Russell. <laughs> he was on the team with me. <laughs> and uh, we're going to this place to get some hair extensions. We get there. We're in the hood of Brazil. Um, this is definitely not no, it's not no hair store, nothing like it. Um, we get there, we get out the car, and we knock on the door, and some dude, some, some, some old Mexican or Brazilian man has on a freaking beater, um, has on a beater, I think he's gray, but he got like a little dirt on it, um, and a lady with him, and, you know, they're like, come in, when we knock, they're like, come in, I'm like, come in, I'm like, y'all got hair here? And she kept pointing, like, saying, like, upstairs, upstairs. But I'm looking at this building, like, this is some ran-down apartment. <laughs> so Gary is in there. So Gary gets out the car, and the lady literally, like, starts grabbing Gary. Like, come on, like, like come inside. So I'm grabbing Gary the other way, like, what the hell is you doing? Don't, don't go in there. But Gary's so goofy. He's just laughing and, like, what the heck is going on? I'm like, Gary, it's not a hair so bull. Like, let's go. So, uh... The driver got to take off on us. So while I, while I got Gary pulling him one way, I put my I put my other leg up in the taxi, telling the man, "You better not leave us here. What the heck? We don't got no cell phone service. Like, no, take us back to the Olympic Training Center." So I grabbed Gary. The guy is trying to leave. I finally grabbed Gary in the car, and then the guy pulls off, and I'm like, "He like, where do you want to go now? Up in Spanish or whatever?" And I just put in my Google Translator, and I was like. Back to the um, Olympic Village, please. <laughs> and I put Olympic Village, and he like, okay. And I'm like, he like, um, how are we gonna pay him? I'm like, get us to the Olympic Village, and we'll pay you with my with my car. But we, you're not gonna leave down here. So me and Gary are literally laughing the whole ride back. We're about the 20 minute drive, 30 minutes. And I'm like, Gary, why would you about to go in the house with them? He like, I don't know. <laughs> Just the craziest stuff ever. It's crazy. But I was trying to get my hair done. <laughs> that's, that's, um, I've always wondered that about, like, when you're playing in, or when you're competing in the Olympics, like, how does that work? Like, I look at, you know, NBA guys, and I wonder, do they have personal barbers? I'm looking at, you know, boxers. I guess you, you as a female boxer and somebody else, yeah, I had to find it. I mean, is that do, do other teams come around with stylists, or are you all pretty much on your own? Um, from what I know, I've always been on my own. You know, I think that um, it was actually a hair salon that was inside of um, the Olympic Center. But when you get talking about weave and extensions, they're like, what? Right. Like, all they want to do is flat iron some hair. They want to add some color, yarn to your hair. But when you have the natural and you're like, okay, just snatch up my edges and, you know, do this braid with some extra hair to make it look long, they're like, where do we get the extra hair from? And I'm just like, right, right, exactly. Not in, we're not in America <laughs> where you can go buy somebody else's hair and put it on your head, right? So, you know, um, they give us stuff, but it's not like for like the big things, like, you know, having your hair actually done. I think a lot of people that get their hair done, you know, speaking from from, from, from what I've seen, they always get it done before they get there. Like right. Even Serena Williams had box braids at the Olympics. Because they last. Exactly. They last. 
Hey, last. Scoopy Radio on the line with Calaris Shields. You mentioned uh, the Nickelodeon uh, Awards. You uh, were awarded with the biggest powerhouse award at the 2017 Nickelodeon Kids Choice Sports Awards. Did you grow up watching Nickelodeon? What? Of course. I was back in the Hey Arnold, uh, Rugrats, um, that era. You know, uh, what is it? Hey Arnold, Rugrats. And what was that other episode where it was like those little kids who used a skateboard? I can't even remember that one, but it was one of my favorites too, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I grew up in that era. And then, of course, you had the, the Keenan and Kel. All yeah, Keenan and Kel. I actually met Kel, though. Ain't that crazy? He followed me on Instagram. You too? And yeah, I'm supposed to be sending him one of my Crystal Shield shirts. Yeah, him and Michael B. Jordan. Yes. Yeah, Kel is good people. I like Kel a lot. I like Kel a lot. Um, I'm curious. What is in the water in Flint? Why are y'all so talented? Mm. Well, honestly, I just decided it's lead in the water. <laughs> I don't know how long it's been there. <laughs> Maybe wrong choice of words. Wrong choice of words, yes. What, let me rephrase that. Okay. What is in the air? Mm. What makes y'all you so know great? What? You know what? I think what makes us in Flint so great is that we always have that choice to make a to make a left turn, but we always choose right. It's like you're in the, you're walking by yourself. Imagine yourself in a circle, and you're surrounded by all these different kind of people. And you have one goal, and that's to get to the gym, right? But you have 10 people surrounding you, and everywhere you walk, they're, they're just surrounding you. And they're like, let's do this. Let's go drink. Let's go smoke. Let's go uh, meet up with this boy. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. And you're just telling yourself, like, I want to get to the gym, <laughs> right? So you continue to go where you're going, and people are tugging and pulling and saying all this stuff to you, and you have to remain focused because – in your heart and in your spirit, you feel that getting getting to the gym is the best thing for you. And I feel like once you've been through that, and then once you actually make it, you actually just remember all the all the times when you were surrounded by this circle, and you like, man, I'm so glad I made it out of that. And then you want to try to help others who come from that same area do it. It's like a it's like a ray deep, deep down inside of you how you were brought up that keeps pushing you, you know, and I still have that rage inside of me still this day, you know, but it's like, it's always get to the gym, go train, go run, stay focused. Always been like that because I don't think nobody in Flint wants to be in Flint their whole life. I, and, and, if there, and if there's somebody that is there and wants to be there all their life, they've just grown accustomed to their surroundings and their environment. And those people I feel are lost. Hmm. For me, I um, went to college right outside the Philadelphia area, literally down the street from Villanova University. And, you know, right at literally like a 15-minute drive to Philadelphia uh, is my, my college, Eastern University. And within that, you know, that county is Chester, Pennsylvania. Um, and Chester, you know, have, have, has, has developed people like uh, Jameer Nelson, uh, Rondé Alice Jefferson, um, Jalil Beats, uh, people like that. And I noticed that you know, there's a there's like a chip on their shoulder in Chester because they're not Philly, but they get grouped within you know Philly area. Is that similar with Flint in relation to Detroit? Is there a chip because Detroit is there and Flint is you know where you guys are at? I don't know what the Flint and Detroit beef is about. I don't know. To me, it's not a big difference between the cities. Mm -hmm. To me, uh, it never had. I don't know why one you know one place feels like oh. I, well, you know, I've actually ran into some people from Detroit who are, like, uh, famous or, like, some kind of celebrities or maybe celebrity online. And I and I can say that um, Detroit, some of them do act different. Like, they're kind of stuck up and high to ditty. You know what I mean? It's like, what? Where did that come from? But, I mean, I guess that's the difference in our city because every famous person who I've met from Flint, you know, including myself, you know, is like, we're all humble, laid back, love people, love, you know, love our fans, and we're nice to them, but then you get somebody from Detroit, you know, have them just come into a club, and they're all acting all, you know, stuck up, like, like they're not from around the corner so much, like they don't have family in Flint, it's just crazy how, uh, I don't know where the beef stems from, though, I, I never understood it, I think it's, 
I don't know. I don't. I don't get it. You talked about, um, you know, getting advice and you know doing things outside of, you know, just boxing and you know, um, you know, you're kind of diversifying your bonds and doing what you need to do. Some of the things that you've done, um, you have appeared in a Walmart ad. Uh, you have, or, or rather, uh, you'll be acting in a Susan Siedelman uh, directed film, Punch Me. Um, outside of boxing, um, I'm guessing TV time and, and uh, camera time is, is your twist. What other things do you look to be involved in as you progress in your career? Acting. Uh, I'm actually going to take, take an acting class in L.A. What, in two weeks? Mm-hmm. Which, um, uh, it's an acting class to help me with improv and I guess memorizing the lines, but improv is a big thing in acting. And, um, I've always been told that I could be a great actor, you know, with, with, with me doing all these interviews, commercial shoots, every director has always told me, you'll be a great actor. And they always told me that, to uh, think about it. And I always thought about it, but I'm like, ah. And they wouldn't put me in a movie being a boxer, I, like, I do that. <laughs> but they told me to expand more than that. They was like, you know, you can be the, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of roles up in Hollywood that, you know, that will fit you. And they told me that I have a face for, I have a face for TV. So I'm actually getting into that. Um, I do continue my motivational speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just depends on where, you know what I mean? Like, um, I think that my story is very powerful. It's just about, uh, being around the right people so they can hear it. You know, uh, radio interviews count, um, going to churches, going to schools. Uh, I really wanted to be like involved in Black History Month, very, very heavy uh, this February, but I only did about two or three things, but I wanted to do more. I wanted to do more for sure, but there's just a lot going on. But um, I try to let let myself be, be available, you know, for the people. But just prior to my life, though, I feel like acting is where I want to go and maybe boxing commentary. You... Uh, you, you talked about your story. Um, you were sexually abused by your mother's boyfriend uh, when you were young. I think in today's society, a strong woman is, is, is the wave. Um, how do you feel that your story in today's movement, uh, Me Too and a myriad of other movements where women are uprising and are really you know, uh, strong figures, how timely do you think your story is um, to what's going on in the world right now? Um, well, you know, I, well, I think that with the Me Too movement, they're being sexually abused and sexually harassed in the workplace, mm-hmm. which I couldn't, which I couldn't imagine, mm-hmm. honestly. You know, uh, thank God I was blessed with a great coach who was like a father figure to me, who uh, treated me like I was his daughter, and everybody around treated me like I was his daughter. <laughs> right. You know, so I, I, I was always uh, in a workplace. I've always been fine, uh, but I feel like what all sexually abused victims have in common. Is one that we've been sexually abused, but one of the feelings that come with that, the 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 mental strain of it, you know, being able to explain that, you know, what like like what happened, why it happened, and why it's not your fault. I think that a lot of victims, uh, you know, feel like it's their fault all the time, and uh, you know, I know I felt like it was my fault, and it happened to me when I was five and six years old. Sure. But then when when you go to the um, when you look at the age gap now that it's happening in the in the industry, you know, and then you seeing that it's women, I feel like they take it a lot harder because when you get to a certain age, like you control your life, and you control and you control what's going on in your life and who's around and how you deal with situations, but then you kind of be hard on yourself because you didn't speak out about it, you know, you didn't say something because of you think you might lose your job or this person is the executive director, and you have all these reasons to why you don't want to speak out. And I think that the the mental strain is what, is, uh, is what makes us common. And that's why Me Too is so big, because it's not just about those in the industry, it's about those that were sexually abused and molested, period. Because we all go through those same feelings, and that's how we all relate. And we want it to be not, like, up in any environment, you just want to be able to say, you don't want, it to, you, you don't want to be able to say Me Too. You want to end that. You want everybody to say, you know, it's like like it ended here, you know, especially with uh, what happened to, to me. I was very shocked um, to hear about what happened to Ali uh, Raisman from the Olympics. You know, 
one, I'm actually really, really friends with her. Me and her had long conversations in the ice tub. I'm, I'm soaking my leg. She's getting massaged. We're having all these different conversations. And um, it was like when we were talking, we were talking about, you know, things that are way, 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 you know, way off from that, but just about sure. how how they look at women and what a strong woman is. And, you know, just hearing her talk to me and then hearing her talk about what actually happened to her. I can't believe she actually had to go through that mental strain, getting ready to compete at the highest stage of her life, you know, at the Olympics. And I just applaud her for that. But now it's like, it needs to stop here, though. You know, they, they need to really look and see that and see who knew what and how come they didn't speak up because you're supposed to protect uh, protect your workers, your gymnasts, your athletes, whatever. You're, you're supposed to protect them. And um, and just with the Me Too, I feel like, you know, I can, I, I, I can speak on it just because I've actually been through that, but just not in the workplace. Surely, Scoopy Ray on the line with Clarissa Shields. What motivates you? Man, it's so crazy. It's other people. Hmm. Other people motivate me. Like, going to boxing matches and crazy. Sometimes I get motivated by somebody losing. Like, seeing how hurt they was when they lost. To me, that makes me go to the gym and, like, I don't want to be how they were. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to be heartbroken and sad and crying because I lost. And it was like it gives me that extra motivation to work out. Sometimes it's music. Kevin Hart motivates me, and hmm. you know it's not just it's just not his comedy. It's his story. His story. You know, I, I, I I'm a huge follower of uh, Kevin Hart, and just to see how you know how he came up being being from Philly, how he used to get booed off stage, people threw stuff at him, and now look at him. Do a move like, do a move with the man, Ice Cube. Come on, like that is the story right there. And I love the story about how how his grandmother gave him a Bible and told him, you know, when like 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 when the going gets tough, look to the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. He was having problems problem with his brand. He was rock bottom, and then he opened this Bible. And all this money come out. Like, his grandma had paid his rent for, like, a year. Like, come on. And that's, wow. to me, that's amazing. And that's something that I feel like she's letting him know, like, I, not only do I have you, but God got you. Just for her to be able to tell him, like, look to the Bible. If he never would have looked to the Bible and listened to it, he would have probably never made it out of that situation that he was in. And I just like his story because he tried to stay positive and he lets people know, like, he's a real person. He's a real person. All these celebrities want to want to pretend to be perfect and be uh, who they're not. And, and 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 you know those celebrities is the ones who we see going crazy in the media. Kanye West. <laughs> Come on, like he's always been weird. His music is weird. He's trying to make people think he's normal. You're not normal, bro. Not normal. You weird. Accept that shit. Accept that you're weird, bro. Whatever. Accept it and be who you are. But instead, you want to. Be, uh, I don't know, be this, I don't, who knows who we're trying to be, but it's definitely making them mad. Even with Conor McGregor, all this stuff that he's pulled lately. Yo, did you see all that? Man, yeah. Be who you are, man. Be who you are. He needs to get in the cage and fight because if he don't, he's going to be, he's going to have that rage right there, going crazy, wanting to fight somebody who said something to him, breaking windows with a freaking... What was that? A, 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 a freaking a dolly. Whoa, whoa. That was a dolly. Yeah. That was a yeah. This dude is crazy, and it's like, dude, be how you are. Be cocky. Be Conor McGregor, and you will be fine. But you're trying to force yourself to make everybody think that you're normal. You're not normal. I'm not normal. You know, to be a normal female, like, no, I'm not normal. I'm mean. I'm strong. I I like to fight. It's not something that I'm doing because I need money. I could do other things. I like to fight. And I'll be a fool to get up there and make them think that, oh, boxing isn't all about fighting. I mean, it's not, but at the same time, when you get inside the ring, it is. That's what counts. If I lose in there and I, and I be nice and pretty in there, boxing don't matter. Right. I, I think it's, it's funny you bring that up because – where I'm at in my career, um, you know, I interview folks like you on the daily, write about it, put it on my podcast. But then I used to watch people like Michael Jordan or even someone current like Chris Paul. They play golf because that because basketball is their job. But 
golf is the outlet, which, you know, probably when they were in high school, basketball was their outlet, but now basketball is their job. I turn the tables to you. Uh, you're boxing, you're, you're on, you got health insurance, you're acting, you're doing this, you're doing that. Is boxing still your outlet? And if it's not just your outlet, what else is your outlet to get your mind off of what you do on a daily basis? I'll just say that some as my outlet, but for me, boxing is only a small portion of my outlet now. It used to be 100% there. Like when I used to go to the gym, I used to train, I used to come home, I used to feel like nothing in the world could bother me. I used to be fine. Now, I can go to the gym, and when I come home, I'm still a little frustrated, still a little mad, still feel like I need to do something extra. So for mm-hmm. me... I'm constantly praying all the time. I'm reading Jesus Calling. Um, it's this book called Jesus Calling by Sarah Young. Beautiful book. It's a daily scriptures on uh, what the day may hold or what life may be putting you through. Sometimes it don't apply, but then sometimes it do. Um, and also, other sports. I play basketball and I play tennis. Tell me about your basketball and your tennis game. Because right, I know you're a hoot head. Could you compete with some of these ladies there in the WNBA? Um, you know what? Boxers are the best fit athletes I know, right? Mm-hmm. And I've been around all these different athletes, and boxers are always the best fit. And I have to say, boxers can do it all. I got to say, my I said at my tennis game, I can run up and down the court. I think I need to learn more about like how to turn the racket to make it go in certain directions. But I just Google that kind of stuff when I really want to get serious about it. But um, I just want to do that to play with my niece. And to get her being in the sports because two to five women in the United States never do a sport throughout their entire life. <laughs> and it's like, that. I know it's crazy, but it's true. It's true. Um, two to five women, two, two out of five women never do a sport in their entire life. And I'm just like, okay, uh, what is the three to five doing? You know, so that's something that I, that I do with my, do with my niece. <laughs> right, play the piano. Now we need to get into support. That's why a lot of these, you know, uh, kids, whatever, that they, they don't know how to have any, um, you know, h- how to release anything. They're holding everything in. Like, sometimes you need to exercise, but, but my niece is definitely, uh, she's definitely up to tennis. She wants to start competing next year, so we're getting her ready. She competes against me, and I'm more of just very, very athletic. And my basketball game has actually gotten better by the day because I've been playing with the little with the little guys who live in my apartment complex, and mm-hmm. I have won a few games. I'm not going to lie about it. I've won a few games, uh, and the kids think I'm their age. I'm 23 years old, but I never – I don't go around saying I'm Clarissa Shields. They ask me, why do you have an Olympic tattoo that says two-time on it? I let them know, like, I am a boxer, you know, but I never go into, oh, I went to the Olympics twice, unless they really, really, really want me to get into it. Like, if they're like, well, wait a minute, you've been to Olympics twice? Well, you know, I let them know, but I try to let them know that, um, you know, I, I want to be treated normal. Yes, However, I'm you want to treat the normal girl, treat me normal. Do you feel like, do you like the fact that you have enough notoriety but at the same time, you have enough anonymity at the same time? Like, do, do you do you feel like there's certain places people don't recognize you, but there's certain places people do, and you can kind of, like, float? I cannot float in Flint anywhere, Detroit, in Michigan, anywhere. Somebody always recognizes me in Michigan. Um, Vegas the same way. I'm, like, a big I'm – a, I'm a huge star in Vegas, and I've never fought the main event. But from my pro debut, whenever I go to Vegas, somebody recognizes me all the time. Um, at the airport, I get recognized. Uh, in Brooklyn, I am like, I, I like to call it hood famous because Brooklyn, <laughs> to me, is like, I mean, when I'm, like, like when I'm walking to the VIP section and you have that long line to get into the Barclays, mm-hmm. people are looking at me walk by, they're like, oh, shoot. That's cool, that's, that's T-Rex. So people want to run out of line and get pictures with me and talk to me, and they'd be like, dang. You know, this is in New York. This is Brooklyn. <laughs> and, um, you know, but there is places like here in Florida. I still get recognized every now and then. Like, I can just, I, I can go anywhere and be fine. I don't get recognized 
you know, 24-7. You know, it's, it's not a lot. But I think that as my career grows, I do want to expand and I do want to be recognized here, but I kind of enjoy my peace too. Like being able to walk around and people not, you know, freaking out when they see me. But people seem to freak out anyway. They just think they recognize you and then they actually you are and then you tell them. I mean, like the reaction is priceless every time. Like my boyfriend literally laughs and I say, don't laugh, you know, but he laughs at my fans because how they, they act sometimes, and I just be smiling like, you want a picture, you want an autograph, what do you need from me, you know, before you leave? And some people be scared to ask the picture, so I always offer it. They was like, well, I was going to ask, but I didn't want you to say no. I'm like, I wasn't going to say no. You can definitely get a picture. It takes literally, literally two seconds. Yeah, I think that for, for a lot of, like, fans of the game or just people that, you know, are – uh, who know who you are, they're scared because maybe they don't want to get burned or they've been burned by, by celebrities or people of prominence in the past. I, I think that that's, that's their hesitation. I was burned by Serena Williams, and I'm still pissed about it. Are you serious? Yes. Do you want to talk about it or you want to leave it alone? You know what? Scoop I'll, I'll go ahead and say something small about it. Okay. So, maybe big. I, I don't know yet. I might so. Serena Williams, I looked up to her since I was a little kid. I mean, 13, 14. When I was up in boxing, when I was saying I wanted to be the best woman fighter ever, I used to be like, I'm the Serena Williams of boxing, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, you may know that I did the ESPN body issue in 2012, well, yes. 2016. Uh, and it was beautiful pictures, very, very artistic. The only reason I did it was because Serena Williams did it. I seen her in Venus, I did it. And my dad was like, hell no, you better not. My dad was like so against it. But I had to send him pictures of Serena, send him pictures of Venus, send him pictures of Candace Parker, which Candace Parker pictures were like really like a little concealed, but it was still like I had to get my dad to at least say half a half a yes, you know. <laughs> um, so I sent to Candace Parker first, so he said, I like Candace Parker pictures. Maybe you can do that because she had her bottom covered over like a little a pink skirt, but, you know, she was still, like, covered at the top of her hand. You couldn't see her breast or anything. And, um, you know, so my dad was like, I like the Candace Parker one. But it was like, Serena, you can see, like, she got the big butt and she got muscles and, right. you know, whatever. So that was more of what I, what I knew I was going to be getting. But mm-hmm. I couldn't tell my dad that. But my dad saw the pictures and he was okay with them. He was not, he, he like, I'd let him know, like, nobody seen my nipples, nobody seen the, you know, crack of my, you know, but, you know, nobody okay. seen my mama, like, you know, just let him know, right? And um, really the only reason I did it was because I'm like, in order to be great and be on this platform, like, Serena Williams did it also, too. I wanted to keep showing them that black is strong. And to me, Serena Williams is, of course she's black, she's strong, and I feel like, I feel like at the time that she stood for every black woman athlete ever. This is just how I felt. But when I got to the in 2016, it was not that. I mean, she was, I don't know if she was having a rough time or what, but she was very, very Hollywood. And everybody that was with her was Hollywood. And, um, you know, I was in the Olympic Village. Nobody was paying Serena Williams any attention. Nobody was running after her because maybe she'd been to the Olympics so many times and the other athletes around now. But, you know, with her and maybe three other girls. And uh, when I seen her, I think my heart started jumping. It was just after practice, um, after the boxing session that we did. And I was with, it was me, Shakur Stevenson, uh, Kay Karoma, the boxing coach. And maybe, um, trying to think, maybe Michaela Mayer. And when, mm-hmm. I, when I seen Serena, I was like, oh, my God, that's Serena. And everybody was like, Carissa, because everybody know I love her.
So that was strike number one for Serena Williams. And I let that go, but I was very, very upset. Very upset. And I was like, dang, I can't believe that my idol acted like that. I would never be like that. Like, I, I really couldn't believe it. I would think she had a bad day. So then at opening ceremony, 2016, I see her with this clique again. Now, I don't know any of the other girls in this clique. I don't know why they're acting in Hollywood. Nobody knows them. I know Serena Williams. Right. Venus, I don't think that Venus did the walk because she has to compete the next day. But Serena Williams was there. We all got on the same uniform. We all struck equal. I had on my Olympic gold medal from 2012. Right. And I just wanted a picture with her. But I didn't ask her for a picture because I see other girls who were asking her for a picture, like, literally, like, uh, you know, she on a cell phone, she texting, she sending text messages back, a girl was like, let me just take a selfie, so then was like, I said, wait, and the girl was like, whoa, and I was like, man, they, man, they ain't crazy as hell, so I let that be, so doing the walk, I'm walking with Coach K, and Coach oh, was like, oh, you were walking with Coach K, that's, that's, you just casually put that in there. <laughs> yeah, so so I'm walking with Coach K doing an open ceremony, and we walk, and he's like, Young, I'm finna get you a picture with Serena Williams. I'm, I'm, I'm telling him, no, I don't want a picture. I, look, you can ask her, but I'm not going to ask her. You can walk into her, but I'm not because I see how she is now. I'm telling you, Coach K went and tapped her, her and whoever the girls was, was whoever was with her, they ignored him. She acted like she didn't feel him touch her shoulder. Um, she looked back. So I was him, kept, I mean, like, literally walked away so fast. And I just was like, what the hell does she think she is? You know, like, we're all equal. And, I mean, everybody was actually complaining about her. I mean, from the masseuse to the to the people on the Team USA, the other girls on the team, they are like, wow, you know, we, she made us kind of feel bad. And I was like, well, I don't think they really knew how I was feeling. Because I'm like, that's going to be my freaking idol. Like, I love her. But that's why I was like, you know what? My Serena, me wanting to be like Serena Williams era was over. I let it go. I actually wrote her a message on um, Instagram. Then I deleted it. And then I blocked her. Wow. Yeah. Broke my heart. Well, they often say you should not meet your idols. Um... <laughs> because your feelings will be hurt. Um, but it seems like you, you, you gathered a learning experience from that, and, you know, you apply that to um, how you deal with people who are a fan of you, and I think that's the learning experience that you gathered. Yeah, definitely. Last question. Best piece of advice um, that you've ever received, and how do you apply it to today? Hmm. Your best is never good enough because your best is always yet to come. Uh, got that from Coach Kenny Sims Senior. And um, how do I apply it to me? It's like when you're at the top of being the best, sometimes you do have a great performance, and everybody's saying, "Oh my God, that's the best performance that we've ever seen." See you, but you have to keep telling yourself, "Well, for me." Your best is never good enough because your best is always yet to come. I feel like I haven't had a perfect fight yet. You know, I haven't. There's always a fight that I watch that somebody else can say, oh, you only made two or three mistakes the whole fight. But but then I look at it and I watch it. I'm like, I saw eight. I saw eight mistakes that shouldn't have been there. And I'm like that hard on myself where I'm like, I have to fix that. That's something I got to fix. I shouldn't have been doing that. I should have thought more. I, I got hit the same punch too much, even though it wasn't hard. I get the same punch too much. And that's something that I always keep with me. But keep getting better, keep growing, keep learning, because your best is never good enough because your best is always got to come, basically. And that's something that I, one of my favorite quotes. And then also, too, uh, another quote, just if you, uh, if you want to, um, it's a quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson. It's a long one, so y'all listen closely. to say, Finish each day and be done with it. You have done what you could. Some blunders and absurdities have some blunders and absurdities have crept in. Forget them as soon as you can. Tomorrow is a new day, and you shall begin to surrender with too high spirit to be encumbered by your old nonsense. But when I heard that, I mean, you ever had a day so hard at the 
hired at your job that you like, man, today was terrible. And you go home and you go to sleep. And when you wake up the next day, you're like, man, yesterday was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and when you have days like that, it's like, it's hard to let them go because you like, hang out. yesterday I should have did this and I should have did that harder. I should have focused more. When it's like, man, each day and be done with it. Yesterday was yesterday. Today, tomorrow is a new day. And begin it with two higher spirits to be encumbered with your old nonsense. Whatever you did yesterday, whatever you feel, how you acted, how you trained, let it go. Because today, you can be 100% better. So don't, like, live off of yesterday. Because, I mean, you can let that bad day at work affect you all week if you want to. And, man, Monday was terrible. You go to bed Monday night, Tuesday, you wake up like, damn, Monday was terrible. You have a you have a decent day Tuesday, but then you keep thinking like, but Monday was terrible. Monday was terrible, but it's done with. It's over. It's time to look forward now and try to make Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday be way better than what Monday was. And that's kind of how I live. Like if I if I did something yesterday that that I know wasn't right, I'm like, look, I'm still working on me. So I'm work on me on Tuesday. <laughs> Ma'am, you gave advice, you done preached your sermon, you done talked about, uh, you know, your cancel fight, you done talked about your idols, you done talked about quotes. Uh, this is probably um, one of the most insightful interviews that I've had this year. Thank you for, for taking the time to uh, grace us with your presence on Scoop B Radio, ma'am. You're welcome. Thank you, Scoop, for the opportunity. You're welcome. Did you tear up the ch that uh, Bang Bang Chicken yet? I'm eating it right now with this uh, with this pad time. Well, I'm going to let you get back to it, dear. Thank you so much, and, and enjoy the rest of your day. Okay, I will. Thank you. Scoop B Radio. Oh Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist-approved, so fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.